our biggest threat are going to be these near-peer adversaries. And our concern is the rate of adoption of technology that these countries have. You know, you look at China, you mentioned China, whether that's artificial intelligence or quantum or, you know, space capabilities that are just accelerating drastically. I bet they're pretty happy right about now that we have no new starts. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, shutdown averted. What you should know now as you navigate the continuing resolution for the next several weeks. It's Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. A former top AI official in the White House has thoughts on how to improve the federal government's so far spotty artificial intelligence use case inventories. Lynn Parker, a former AI official in the Trump and Biden White Houses, told FedScoop in a recent interview that OMB could enhance its parameters for agency AI inventories by focusing on what those disclosures were intended to achieve, improving public transparency, helping agencies see what others in the government are using, and informing policy guidance on responsible use of AI. Doing so, Parker said, would improve the output from agencies and better aid OMB in delivering guidance around the use of the technology and government, which the agency is said to be releasing in the near future. Federal agencies aren't the only ones experimenting with AI. The Government Accountability Office, housed in the legislative branch, is also working with a large language model that it's looking to use to query its reports in a more sophisticated way. In an interview with FedScoop, GAO chief data scientist and director of its innovation lab, Taka Auriga, said the AI project is currently in an experimentation phase with a goal of establishing a foundational large language model that allows that agency to build use cases on top of it. Auriga said it also has an interest in learning the mechanics of generative AI so GAO can figure out the appropriate uses and better perform its oversight of the government which is also increasingly adopting the new technology. And finally, OMB's AI guidance isn't the only policy regarding the technology coming soon. OSTP Director Arati Prabhakar last week detailed a White House executive order on artificial intelligence, which is expected to be released this fall, that will determine how the executive branch uses AI to mitigate risks while also seizing the huge opportunities associated with the technology. While Prabhakar wouldn't get into specifics about what will be in the forthcoming order, she did say it provides a mechanism for the executive branch stepping out and doing what we need to do. She said it'll be broad and that it will reflect everything that the president really sees as possible under existing law to get better at managing risks and using the technology. You can read more stories about these and much more at fedscoop.com. After bringing the government shutdown clock to the very brink of a closure over the weekend, Congress was able to reach a short-term continuing resolution to keep the government funded through November 17th. While that's a better-than-worst-case scenario outcome, it still has some impacts for the way agencies must operate without full appropriations. And there's a strong possibility we may be right back in a race against the clock just before Thanksgiving, as Congress must reach a funding agreement prior to that November 17th deadline. Joining me is Megan Metzger, CEO of Decode, to discuss the impact of the continuing resolution on federal IT operations. Megan, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So the CR is here. 
we're not in a shutdown. I think that's a good thing. We can all agree. But um, for other reasons, a CR is problematic in and of its own right. So what does it mean for the federal government, whether that's civilian or the defense side, as it relates to tech and innovation? How is a CR going to change the way people inside of government are thinking about what they do? Yeah, uh, it, you know, this is one of the things that keeps me up at night when I think about the CR. And I think our government has made so much progress, whether it's defense or civilian, in trying to adopt digital tools, digital transformation, be more innovative. And then how do you do that? The rate of change of tech, we know, is wicked fast. And we're trying to keep up as it is. So when you enter a CR and you don't know what your budget's going to be, if you can do any new starts, you can't do any new starts, how much of that actually just comes to a screeching halt? And my fear is more of it than we realize. Right? So you know, as we're engaging across the DOD and across civilian um, organizations, a lot of that progress is, is slowing down because they don't have the funding or maybe they had um, put into the budget several years back that they were going to start those efforts in this next fiscal or do the next iteration to scale the work they've been doing. And now they're just in wait and see mode. Uh, I think it's a really big problem. I'm not sure how many people you've talked to since the news came out over the week, and I'm sure there's mixed emotions. You know, again, we, we didn't hit the shutdown that we all were pretty much anticipating. But again, the CR is not an, a, 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 an ideal situation. So what's morale like? Are people happy that, you know, we, we escaped the shutdown, at least for now, or are people sort of dismayed that, you know, they still have to nav- navigate these next few weeks under the, the, the guise of a CR? Yeah, I think there's probably a mix, but overall, I'd say everyone's pretty happy that that didn't happen. I'm sure mm-hmm. some people were looking forward to an, an unpaid vacation. <laughs> um, but the amount of prep and work that people put in just trying to plan for a shutdown and the big point of concern that we heard across you know, tons of government stakeholders was how do we make sure folks like our contractors continue to do work when I can't be there? Or the ones that were deemed essential or, you know, needed to come in, how are they going to handle the jobs of their entire department, like single-handedly to make sure our progress doesn't actually stop? And that's complicated, right? That's really complicated. I think most people actually are really surprised. Um, I would say of the folks that I talked to rolling into the weekend, there was pretty high confidence that this thing was going to shut down. So I think it's both a sigh of relief, a sigh of, okay, now we've got to just figure out until this happens again, you know, not too long from now, at least we'll be a little bit more prepared, I think, but it's still, I I would say morale is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If it was a shutdown was avoided and we had an approved budget, I think that'd be a different story. But back to the CR point, we're still in a CR. And, and, you know, we'll get to that a bit later in the conversation about what comes next. But, you know, curious, how does this impact the citizen? You sort of talked a little bit about the the impact of how government work and all the transformation and innovation that we've seen uh, that uptick over recent years starts to slow down. But what are sort of sort of some of the outcomes of that as it impacts American citizens or even thinking about on the defense side? Um, all we hear about is the, the sort of quote unquote race with China, whether it be regarding AI or some other high tech area, um, how does how does this sort of slowdown um, impact that 
as we we need to you know by all accounts keep up with with our biggest uh competitors in in a china or a russia yeah uh i'll I'll answer that in two parts so i think on the civilian side you know we rely on government services all day and i know you know fed scoop does a lot to highlight things like the ai efforts that are going on and so much work around how to better leverage data and modern technologies you see um agencies like the VA who have a you know customer experience office trying to improve the way that we support citizens you know you take the IRS they have a you know an innovation organization focused on digital modernization right and that is to help make sure that the work that the government has to do on behalf of the citizen is more modern it's agile there's more transparency you know we can use the data to really shorten that time to value and that's kind of at a halt in a lot of these cases because some of it, when you're doing um, more innovative efforts, a lot of times you're starting small. You're doing MVPs. We, you know, this is just kind of how to deliver agile modern services. You're not necessarily sitting there with the, you know, the huge budgets for the scaling part. So now we're just I'm going to have to pause on a lot of these efforts. So I'd be curious to inventory how what the actual impact is. I can tell you from programs I do know there is definitely going to be impact for the citizens. On the defense side, I think this is a huge national security risk. You and I talked about this before, but in a race where our biggest threat are going to be these near-peer adversaries, and our concern is the rate of adoption of technology that these countries have. You know, you look at China, you mentioned China, whether that's artificial intelligence or quantum or, you know, space capabilities that are just accelerating drastically. I bet they're pretty happy right about now that we have no new starts. So by the time a budget's approved, how many different iterations of tech have come out in some of these areas? I can promise you it's moving pretty quickly. So I think programs and folks inside the DOD really need to look at the interpretation of what a no new start means, because a lot of times it gets over applied and there is more flexibility as long as that start or that effort aligns to something that has been programmed for and that you have the budget as part of a CR to keep the lights on. It doesn't mean we can't do anything. So I think there is both a a big risk because we can't have quote unquote new starts. But I do think we also are at risk if if Congress or OSD or someone doesn't provide guidance on what that means specifically for the technology programs mm -hmm. that are trying to be innovative. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because my next question was if I'm somebody in government or even those from the outside who are looking to support government in the contracting space, how do you spend the next 40 some odd days until that no November 17th sort of CR deadline reaches. How are you spending your time? Because, um, you know, it sounds like with no new starts, maybe you're doing a little bit of keeping the lights on and making sure you're, you're hitting that maintenance and operations and sort of the status quo. But are there opportunities to kind of get outside of that so that things are getting done? Or is it really just largely kind of sitting there and uh, keeping things going? Uh Great question. I would encourage folks to be very curious, for one. Um, we absolutely need to keep the lights on, make sure the wheels stay on the bus. But do take the extra time to ask the questions and see where is there opportunity within the bounds and the constraints that we have to actually 
continue some of the work that you're doing. And maybe it's not actually a new start. It, it, a lot of it depends on how tightly your budget was written, like how prescriptive did those big requirements go in? And sometimes there is a lot more flexibility than we think there is. So I would say, talk to your policy folks, be curious and really look, especially if you're a leader that's providing some of this guidance. Um, a lot of times the disconnect between the policy and the implementers is pretty large. And there's a lot of guess around what it does and does not mean. And I think an ounce of prevention would be very helpful. Um, if you're in the contractor space, I think a lot of times we we actually have more flexibility in some ways. So for example, if we're doing fixed price work, how we can help the government drive, continue to drive innovation in the bounds of what we have already been funded for, like that's our responsibility in a lot of ways to almost pick up some of the slack where we can and continue to push forward with what we've got. Um, if I am new to this market, I'm looking for two-year money. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go after a different color of money. Um, then that's a whole different conversation. So all that to say, I know that was a little generic, but there really is much more that we can do than sometimes we think within a CR and, and definitely worth a look for the safe national security. Lots of opportunity to get creative. So as I mentioned, November 17th is when the CR runs out. Um, do you think we're going to be right back at square one once that point reaches? I know this is more of a political congressional question than it is about federal operations and technology. But um, if you were to pontificate, um, what do you think the situation is going to look like come a month and a half from now? Um, yeah, I, I mean, who knows? I thought we would be in a shutdown. So I was very happy to be proven wrong. Um, I suspect we'll have another one if history is any, any indicator. You know, this isn't the first shutdown that was looming or we've gone through. But I, if I'm an agency or someone inside the government, defense or civilian, I'm probably making two plans. One for let's just assume we're going to continue with the CR or shut down. You, good news is you kind of had to do that legwork last week. So hopefully some of that's repeatable. And then, okay, if we actually can move forward and get to any resolution, then how do I start running hard to make up for lost time? Um, and where can I pull in the right industry folks? How can I catalyze the team differently? So not a that's kind of a non-answer. But if I was a betting woman, I'm going to guess that we have another midnight until we know and everyone's stressing out and doesn't know what the future holds just in time for the holidays. Perfect. So, <laughs> well, looking forward, not looking forward to that, but we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Uh, Megan, as always, thanks so much for your time and congratulations on being named a defense scoop 50 winner. So well, thank you so much. What a, what a great honor. Um, really excited to be part of that, that group. It's a fantastic, yeah. a fantastic group of people honored to be considering that mix. Well, we're so happy to have you as part of it. And uh, definitely thank you for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this again soon, but in a, a better space where we're not talking yeah. about shutdowns and CRs. Hopefully we talk about, hey, the budget passed. Now what can we do? <laughs> so fingers crossed. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks so much. You can learn more about the continuing resolution at the dailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. 
We'll be back again on Thursday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.